Well, I've already said good morning, so I guess I really won't say well. I'll say good morning again. It's good to see everybody here. I'm so glad you're here. How many people have been having a good Easter weekend so far? Have a good weekend? We had, we had an amazing time here on Good Friday. How many were here for Good Friday? Who was able to be here? We had, we had an awesome time on Good Friday. It was so good. And then I got to go home after services, and I got to rest for a little bit. And when you have kids and a busy life, how many know that is a good way to spend the rest of your Friday resting? Uh, a couple of us were laughing at a meme yesterday where it was showed this father, and he had uh, Mickey Mouse ears on. He was obviously at Disneyland. And it said, parents don't go on vacation. They just take care of their kids in different cities. And so, uh, you know, when life is busy, it is nice to get that rest and then uh, yesterday, I, I, I got some chance, had, had a good day, supported my son playing some basketball. And today, I, I mean, I thought the dance was amazing, especially basketball because my daughter was in the dance. So, uh, but it, it's been a good weekend so far. And if you've had a back, bad weekend, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but we're believing today it will change and become a good weekend. Amen? So let's just, I just want to talk to you for a few moments today about making Jesus the king of your life. Our theme has been King Jesus, and I want to talk about making Jesus king. So let's pray. Let's go before the Lord. And then I've actually got quite a few scriptures I want to just walk you through because we believe in the power of the word of God. Father, we come before you today in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. Thank you for the opportunity we have to worship. Thank you for Jesus and that he came for us, he died for us, but he rose again. And today we are celebrating our risen king. Today we are honoring our risen king. Today we are remembering our risen king. And I pray as we take a few moments to talk about Jesus being our king today, that you will speak so clearly to each one of us. Wherever we're at in our walk with you, there just could be a whole diversity within this room, God, but it doesn't matter where we are, it just matters where we're going. And we want to be people who are going towards you. And so we thank you for a greater revelation of King Jesus in our hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name, and everyone agreed, said... Amen. So it is Resurrection Sunday, as we all know, but I want to actually start my message. I want to jump back to Friday for a few moments. So I want to jump back to Good Friday, which, as we all know, we, you, during Good Friday, we remember the death of Jesus. So on Friday, we remember his death. On Resurrection Sunday, we remember his resurrection. But I want you to, if you'll turn with me to John 19, 16 to 22, and we're going to start with a focus on, uh, on something that began on Friday. And it says here, So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. And Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. But Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. There's so many different elements to the story of the crucifixion and then the resurrection on on Friday, we had taken some time to actually focus on a few areas or a few parts of the story that we don't talk about as much. Today, I want to zero in on, on, on this whole sign to begin that was posted on the cross. 
and the sign that was put there that said the king of the Jews. Now there was a number of different dynamics that were happening. Remember, there's nothing in the Bible that is there by accident. Nothing is filler. Everything, God, God put it intentionally there. He put it there on purpose for us. And so we see that when Jesus was crucified on the cross, they hung this sign that said the king of the Jews. And they actually put it in different languages, which were the common languages of the day. Pilate was very determined that everybody was going to be able to read what was on this sign. And the Jewish, uh, the religious leaders were upset. They said, no, you shouldn't say the king of the Jews. You should say this man said. And Pilate said, I've written what I've written. There was, there was some underlying tension. Well, not even so underlying, but there was tension. And I, I think on one level, there's multiple layers here, but I think on one layer, Pilate was, was getting a shot in at the Jewish leaders. He knew they had manipulated him and they had pressured him to kill Jesus. He didn't want to at first, but ultimately he went along with it, which really was fulfilling the plan of God. But he put this here really almost to spite them as well and to do it. He took a relig- uh, this dig at the religious leaders. But really, if we dig deeper to it, I think there was also at its root a, a, this demonic agenda to ridicule and to mock Jesus. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the ultimate trash talk, if you could say it that way. Here is the king of the Jews. Here is the king. He's, li- he's hanging on a cross. He's dying. But they're saying, here is the king of the Jews and mocking him and ridicule him. You know, the Christ or the Messiah, the scriptures tell us he was supposed to be a king who was going to come and was going to save his people. He was going to be a king who was going to come and deliver his people. And so they're almost mocking him, ridiculing him, hanging him on the cross, saying, you failed. You are not who you said you were. This goes on a little further if we look in Mark 15, 31 to 32. And it says, so also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the king of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And those who were crucified with him reviled him also. So we see this mocking. We see this this ridicule that's being thrown at Jesus. Who do you think you are? You say you're the king. If you're the king, why don't you come down? Why don't you save yourself? Why don't you save others? They were just railing at him and railing against him. But here's what's so powerful, family. And I want to encourage us in this today. Even as they mocked him. Even as they ridiculed him, even as they came against him, they thought that they were putting him down. They thought that they were getting these final emotional and verbal shots in at him. But what they didn't understand was they were actually prophetically declaring who he was. They were prophetically declaring that Jesus is king. Come on, somebody say Jesus is king. They were prophetically declaring who he was. See, that's how God works so often. We think what God, what we think is a loss, God often turns into a victory. What the enemies meant for evil, God turns it for good. And sometimes we're even going through things or circumstances in our life and we think this isn't good, but when we hand it over to God, he's actually working through the whole situation and he turns it around. And so we see that Jesus was king and not just the king of the Jews, but he was the king of kings and he was the Lord of lords. And even in what they thought were their insults, they were actually prophetically declaring who he is. Come on, say Jesus is king. Paul wrote about this in Philippians 2, 5 to 11. 
And let me read it to you. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did now not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we see here what this passage tells us is Jesus was God, but he set that aside. He became a man and he humbled himself for you and me. He humbled himself, it said, to the point of a death on a cross. That was the lengths that he was willing to go for you and for me. But we recognize that he didn't stay there. That was not the end of the story. Good Friday is important, but Good Friday is always leading to a resurrection Sunday. And so what the Bible tells us here is even though he humbled himself, he did that and he laid down. He went to the, once he passed away, he went to hell. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. The Bible tells us that he led captivity captive. In other words, he took all those things that the enemy would use against us to keep us captive, to hold us down. And he took that captive. Furthermore, the Bible says that he made an open show of Satan and all of his forces. This picture from the word of God is the picture of a Roman emperor where he'd go into a foreign land and he would conquer that foreign land and he would take the king, he would take the nobles, he would take all the riches, he would take everything that was valuable to that country, he would take it and he would march them down the streets of Rome in a parade showing this is who I have conquered, this is who I've defeated, they have no more power, we have all the power and the Bible says that is what Jesus did. Yes, he humbled himself on the cross, but then he went and he defeated death, hell, and the grave for you and me, and he was crowned the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why it said here, God exalted him. Everyone say, God exalted him. God exalted him. He lifted up. He humbled himself, but then he was exalted. And we see here, it says, he bestowed on him the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that he is Lord. Lord is interchangeable for king because you would make your king your Lord. And you would say that a king would be your Lord. That is what the king was. That is who the king is, that he is Lord. Somebody say he is Lord. At the name of Jesus, his name was lifted high above every other name. And that every knee should bow. And every tongue should confess that he is Lord. Paul writes more about this in 1 Timothy 6, 13 to 16. And it says this, I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. See, it says here, Jesus is the blessed sovereign, the only blessed sovereign. 
He is the ruler. He is the king of the universe. It says that he's the king of kings, that he is the Lord of lords, that he is immortality and dwells in unapproachable light. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Why is all this bestowed on Jesus? Why is all this placed upon him? Because he humbled himself for us. But then he rose again. And he rose again in victory, in power, in honor and glory. Somebody say, he's risen. Come on, somebody say, he's risen indeed. So Jesus is king. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the one and only true sovereign. But here's the last thought I want to leave with you this morning. Is Jesus is king. But we still have to make the choice for Jesus to be our king. We still have to make the decision in our lives that Jesus is Jesus. And so I want to ask you today, is Jesus your king? And I want to dig a little deeper because sometimes, we, especially those of us who've been around church and been Christians for always, oh yes, Jesus is my king. But I want to ask you today, is he your king in your everyday life? Is he your king in your decisions? Is he your king in how you're living your life? Are we just paying lip service to him as our king? Or are we really allowing him to be our king in our everyday? We have a choice to make. You know, I wish, I, I, I wish God would just make us receive him as king. I wish that God would just force it on people sometimes, but he never does that. He always gives us a choice. And so again, the question I want to ask you today is, Jesus, your king? Let me share with you why this is the smartest decision you could ever make. Let me share with you today why this is the best decision that you could ever possibly make to make Jesus your king. Come on, somebody say, Jesus is king. The first reason it's the smartest decision you could ever make is he is all-knowing. I don't know about you, but there's a lot that I don't know. Anybody else in here, there's a lot you don't know? There's way more I don't know than that which I do know. And even in the world that we live in today, in the world that we're in, with all that's going around us, there's so much uncertainty, there's so many things we don't know, there's so much about the future we don't know, and when you try and handle that by yourself, it gets overwhelming very quickly. It gets depressing. I mean, it can just be so hard and so difficult. And I understand it's so sad even where some people give up on life because there's just so much that they don't know, they don't understand. But see, we have a king named Jesus and he is all-knowing. He knows it all. He knows what's coming. He knows what you need and what's coming. He has a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. He said your steps are ordered by him. He has already made a way. When you have him as your king, you don't need to worry about the future. You don't need to worry about what's going on in the world around you because you know you have a king who knows and understands it all. And if you stay with him, he will get you what you need when you need to get it. There's so much. When you know Jesus as your king, you have a king who knows all. That's why it's the smartest decision you could ever make to make Jesus your king. Let me tell you another reason why it's the smartest decision. Not only is he all-knowing, but he is also all-powerful. We have a king and we serve a king who is all powerful. There is nothing that he cannot do. I remember when we were kids, we used to grow up and we used to sing a song. Some of you remember the song too. It talked about, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Anybody remember that one? 
I remember there was this meme, this really cute meme that went around on, on the internet for a little while. There was this little girl, and she was about to get her, her shot. And so they're ready with the needle, and she's there. She's, got, she's probably about five or six. And she goes, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And they're like, okay, honey, we're good. Here comes the needle. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And then they gave her the shot. They're like, see, it wasn't that bad. She's like, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. You know, it would be very appropriate for us to also say, my king is so big. So strong and so mighty. There's nothing my king cannot do. And you know, life can be hard sometimes. We face challenges. It's amazing to have a king who knows all. But it's also amazing to have a king who's all powerful. You and I don't have the power to handle everything that is thrown against us, everything that comes in. But he does. And that's why it's the smartest decision ever to make Jesus your king. Let me tell you a third reason why it's the smartest decision ever to make Jesus your king. Because he loved you. He loves you, and he gave his life for you. If you think about most kings, most kings will ask you to give your life for them. They'll ask you to lay down your life for them, for their kingdom. And yes, there's an element of that in the kingdom, but Jesus said, first, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I mean, think about it. You have this opportunity to have this king in your life who is all-knowing, who is all-powerful, but loves you with this deep, everlasting love who loves you so much and who laid down his life for you. Ephesians 5 verse 2 says this, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Come on, somebody say, he loves me. Somebody say, he gave his life up for me. He gave his life for us. This is the kind of king that he is. Why would we not want to have that king in our lives? See, here's what most of us don't understand. We are going to have a Lord in our lives. It's just the way things work. We are going to answer to something. Now, often it's disguised and all these different things. There's going to be something we answer to. And I can promise you the majority of lords that people take on their lives are cruel taskmasters. It looks good at first, but it always ends bad. But when you make Jesus your king, when you make Jesus your Lord, you get a king who's all-knowing, who's all-powerful, who loves you with an everlasting love and who gave his life for you. One last reason I want to share with you, and if guys on keys want to come back and join me here. The last reason why making Jesus your king is the smartest decision you'll ever make is found in Romans 10 verse 9. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now again, We said Lord and King are interchangeable because my Lord is what you would call your King. They would talk about in that time, Caesar was known as King and they would be required to say Caesar is Lord. That's why this declaration that Jesus is Lord was so unsettling in the Roman Empire. That's why they declared it so strongly because they were supposed to say that Caesar is Lord and yet they rose up and they said Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King. But I want you to see this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is King and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. My last reason to encourage you in this morning why it's the smartest decision you could ever make to make Jesus your king is because that brings salvation into your life. We all need a savior. We all need to be saved. I'm not just pointing the finger at you. I'm talking about myself first. We all need to be saved by our king. Some of you may be wondering, well, what exactly do you mean, pastor? Let me read one last verse to you. And then we're going to pray. Romans 6, 23. 
It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, we all have a problem and the problem is called sin. Again, I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm talking about me first and foremost. I'm talking about us. We have this problem called sin. What is sin? Well, it comes from an old archery term that means to miss the mark. It's breaking God's commandments. It's doing things that are wrong. I know we live in a world right now where there's a lot of questions about people saying, is things really right or wrong? What is the standard? Well, God has set a standard of what's right and what's wrong. And because he's God, that is the standard that is going to stand the test of time. And when we break his law, when we break his commandments, we sin. What the Bible says, there's a wage and that wage is death. Now this word death, what does that mean? Because someone says, well, I sinned. I didn't fall over and die. It's actually a multifaceted word. The first level of death does mean there is physical death. God never designed us or built us. We weren't designed to die. Scientists cannot even still understand when we have a body that regenerates itself and cells reproduce themselves, why there's this decline into death. They don't have an answer for it, but the Bible does. It says because sin came, then came death. So it leads to death. But furthermore, it also is talking about spiritual death. Spiritual death is being separated from God. You and I were designed to live in connection with God. We are designed to live in the presence of God. And because of sin, we get separated. The Bible calls that death. But furthermore, there's a third layer, which is eternal death. Not only are we separated from God in this life, but when we die, we end up being separated from him for eternity. That's the bad news. That's why we need salvation. Because the verse isn't finished. It says the wages of sin is death, but. Those of you who heard me preach for a while, you'll know what I'm about to say about this. That but is a very powerful word. Because whenever you put it in a sentence, whatever comes after it cancels out what came before it. I really like you, but. I want to go there, but. I want to come to church, but. Whatever I'm going to say afterwards is really in essence cancel out what came before the wages of sin is death. Somebody say, but. Whatever's coming now is going to cancel out what came before. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our, I could say, king. The free gift of God is eternal life. He said, listen, yeah, you got this problem of sin. Everybody has it. It brings death. But I have an answer. I have a solution. I love you so much. I sent my only begotten son that if you believe in him, you will not perish or have eternal death, but you will have eternal life. I have this gift for you. I want to give it to you. It was paid for in the blood of my son when he died on the cross and then rose again. He bought this gift for you of eternal life. But you still have to make a decision to say yes. How many of you can buy somebody a gift, but they don't have to receive it? They don't have to take it. And in the same way, God's bought this gift. He's brought this for us. But we still have to say yes. We have to say yes to Jesus being our king. But when we do it, we receive salvation. The greatest gift we could ever receive. And it gives us eternal life, which is the opposite of eternal death. We now are connected with God for all of eternity. When we die, we spend eternity with him. His life is for now. His life is for all of eternity. And so if in closing today, if you want to bow your head and close your eyes, I want to pray for us as a congregation. And the first thing I want to pray today is I want to pray 
I'm going to pray for all of us that we will receive Jesus as King afresh today in our life. You know, you can be a Christian, you can be a follower of Jesus, you can receive him as King, but over time, you can still start to put yourself back on the throne. You can use him to try and enrich your life instead of truly receive him as your King. And so I want to pray for each one of us, myself included today, that there's a fresh commitment to the Lordship and the Kingship of Jesus in our lives. But today I also want to give an opportunity because I think there may be some people here today and you've never received Jesus as your King. Why not do it today? Why not on April 9th, 2023, you make that decision in your heart, in your life, I'm going to receive Jesus as my King. Maybe you're here and maybe you, you received Jesus as your King in the past, but somewhere along the way you fell away. Somewhere along the way you gave up. Life happened. Maybe you had a bad experience with church. I'm really sorry for that. Maybe, maybe COVID happened and you just kind of faded. Maybe you went through something really difficult in your life and you walked away from Jesus being your king. You know what? He's not angry at you today. He actually is just arms are wide open and he's saying, come home to me. Come home to me. And so Father, just as we bring this to a close today, I pray for every person in this building. Lord, I pray that we will have a fresh awareness of Jesus as our king. Wherever we are in our spiritual walk, wherever we are in our journey with you, that we will receive Jesus as king in a fresh way. Here on Resurrection Sunday, because he's the name above every name. You're the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You humbled yourself. And so now you've been elevated. And we worship you and we lift you up. And I pray that each one of us will receive you in such a fresh way as our king. But I also want to pray right now, Lord, for anyone who needs to receive Jesus as king. Or maybe needs to come back. Here's what I do. I'm going to pray a prayer. I want us to all pray it together. But if you know you need Jesus to be your king, you know you need to come back to him as your king, I want you to pray it from the bottom of your heart. So say with this, we say, King Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Come on, let's all pray this together. Thank you that you came for me. Thank you that you died. Thank you that you rose again. Today I turn my back on sin. I commit my life to you. I declare you are my king. Fill me. Forgive me. Free me. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name. Now just with our head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask if you could do this for me. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it today, you said, I'm making Jesus my king or I give my life back to Jesus as king. Do you not just wave your hand at me wherever you are across this place? Well, it takes some boldness to do it. But if you just want to raise your hand and wave at me, if you made that commitment, if you made that decision today to make Jesus your king. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's all stand to our feet today. I'm going to ask, we've asked leaders to come and just be prepared to pray with people. So I'm going to ask those leaders to come across the front. We're going to dismiss and close off. We do have, the clock is moving today and we've got another service starting at 12 o'clock. But if the leaders want to come forward across the front, here's what, we're going to dismiss. But if you know you prayed that prayer, maybe, maybe you didn't want to raise your hand or, or maybe you're here today and it's not about Jesus being king, but you need prayer for something else in your life. We believe in the power of prayer. 
We believe in God's power in your life, and we would consider it such a huge honor to pray with you. So today, if you need to make Jesus your king, if you need to return to Jesus being your king, or if you just need prayer for something else, we're going to dismiss, but I invite you, just this amazing group of people up here, and they'd be so honored just to take a couple minutes to pray with you, to stand with you. If we can give you a Bible, if you need a Bible, whatever the need is, we want to be there and stand with you in that. Amen? And so, Father, we just thank you today for King Jesus, and I pray for each one of us that Jesus will be the king in our hearts, that he will be the king in our lives, that he is the king of kings, but he also wants to be the king of Brendan, the king of each one of us. And so I thank you for that. We celebrate you today. We worship you today. We honor you today, and we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed with me said... Amen, amen, amen. So if you need prayer, if you prayed that prayer with me, please come forward. Meet one of these men and women. We'd love to just pray with you. Uh, Otherwise, though, we are free to go today. First-time guests, remember to go to the Connect table because we would love to just connect with you, say hello, meet you, and give you that free gift. God bless you guys. We love you. And if we can also exit the sanctuary quickly, please, today, we just ask. We usually don't want to rush you, but you can hang out in the lobby. We just have to refresh things for the next service. God bless you. We love you. Have an amazing Sunday. Have an amazing Resurrection Sunday, amazing Easter. God bless.